How many of you like change? How many of you like change? A few of you. Well, today's definitely different. Today's definitely different than we than we usually do things, but uh, it's all it's all good in the end, right? Um, since this is family uh, camp weekend, I have decided not to preach from our our current study through First Kings called A uh, Country in Chaos. Uh, it's been this will be the third week that we haven't been in that study. I was uh, gone for two weeks and now family camp. But I promise you, we are going to be diving right back. First Kings, I believe, we're going to be in chapter four. It's called A Country in Chaos. We'll be right back into that next week. Um, we're going to continue with that today. If you have your Bibles or app, whatever you use, we will be in Numbers uh, chapter two in just a few minutes. And like I said, this uh, message probably probably would air more on a devotional than a full-length message. It's designed to be a little shorter, uh, but we'll, we'll see where God takes us this morning. You guys, give me a little liberty to go down rabbit trails, maybe? Yes? No? Some of you are going, please don't, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, so with all that being said this morning, I, I would like to begin with this. When, when I was younger, I enjoyed camping much, much more than I do now. Now that I am older and, and wiser, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm older, I don't know if I'm much wiser, but right, I, I enjoyed it much more. There are a few things I still enjoy when camping today. I, I enjoy the smell of the great outdoors, of course, uh, the sights and sounds of nature, and the smell of the campfire. But there are a few things I have come not to enjoy while camping. I, I'm just going to be kind of frank and a little blunt. Uh, one of them is, of course, sleeping on the ground. I don't know how in the world, when I was younger, that was acceptable. <laughs> Do you hear me this morning? How did we pull that off? As you get older, I, you know, bones hurt, muscles. I'm like, who can do this? Uh, I, I don't like sleeping on the ground. That's just like, uh, I'm not going to go camping if that's the only option, correct? And then the other one would be the late night sounds outside of my tent. Do you know what I'm talking about? What was that? You know, you just, you, you think you feel secure if you're sleeping in a tent and you're laying on the ground, but really, I mean, anything can come through that tent at night, right? So, I, I'm not a fan of that. As I get older, those, those sounds just wake me up. What was that? And, you know, and then I don't get any sleep. I think of when we were in the Bahamas and Dale and I slept in that house with no windows. I was up all night. It was, it was miserable. I, I, dogs barking outside, all kinds of crazy things. So I'm not, I'm not really into that. I like to have that sense of security. It, it makes me sleep better. And then one of the other things I'm just not really a, a fan of when I go camping, I'm just going to really be blunt, I'm usually not really fond of the restroom facilities. <laughs> Especially if you're really roughing it. It's just not my favorite thing. The older you get, you know, you like the comforts of home. And I'll just stop there. But you get where I'm going. Right? And of course, I've had a lot of great memories while camping. 
with our two boys when they were growing up. I remember catching a whole boatload of fish with them at the Hawaii Reservoir over in, in Oregon. Just all kinds of fun. Just couldn't get them off the hook fast enough. Just great memories that we still have together with, with our kids. I, I remember roasting marshmallows, right, around the campfire and, and playing with the fire. I mean, no, roasting marshmallows. We don't play with the fire, do we? The kids do that. Adults don't play with fire. What is it about fire, right? But just those memories around the campfire and marshmallows and the stories and just all, all that fun that comes with it. And then hiking in the woods, swimming in the lakes, just all kinds of those memories. But now that I'm older and wiser, my, my camping consists of either a camper or an RV or a cabin. And in, in one of those things that I may camp, my campfire is a television set. It puts off nice light, right? Just kind of, you can't roast a marshmallow on it, but that's why you have a microwave or an oven. See, that, that's camping. Roughing it to me is having to pack up my gear, put it in the car, take it out of the car to put it in one of those facilities. That's roughing it. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Camping is fun. It's fun. But it seems, as you get older, some of those things what seemed like they were fun when you were younger, because of the wisdom that you have, aren't as much fun as they used to be. And since this is family camp weekend, I thought it would be a good time for us to take a look at God's instructions concerning the camp of his people. The camp of his people. His people here in Numbers chapter 2. Uh, not going into in length detail. Most of you understand. But his people here are the Israelites. That are wandering through the wilderness. Before they entered into the promised land. You know they left Egypt. Um, and it was only 11 day trip. We'll talk more about that. But for some reason it took them 40 years. Because of their disobedience. But here's, here's the people, people of Israel, and God is giving them directions uh, on how to camp. The, the, he's concerned instructions on the camp of his people. And there's lessons here for us, and we're going to dive into that here in a minute. But Numbers chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it simply says this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, they're the leaders of these people, the Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting some distance from it. Each man under his standard with the banner of his family. And then if you, if you read down through verses 3 through 16, it gives the placement of each tribe and how that looks in this whole organization of how they are to camp, uh, in camp and camp and move among uh, the tent of meeting. And I just want to read to you verse 17. Then the tent of meeting and the camp of the Levites will set out in the middle of the camps. So it's talking about how they're to move. They will set out in the same order as they encamp, each in his own place under his own standard. So it gives us how they're going to camp. It tells us how, how they camp around the tent of meeting, how they encircle it. This is how they're going to rest. And then in verse 17, it tells us that when it's time to move, it's done in order to. The Levites will pack up the tent of meeting, and then they will all file in order around and leave uh, as, as they're moving. So God gives them instructions how to rest in the camp. He gives them instructions of what to do when they're on the move. 
Okay, so keep that in mind. This word camp really has a simple definition. We all understand it. It is a, a place, an army or other body of people lodge in tents. And if you were out at Seven End Ranch uh, this weekend uh, at our family camp, you would have seen a lot of different varieties of tents. There's big tents, small tents, uh, there were RVs, and then there was a cabin in the far off distance. That was where I stayed. <laughs> I told you. But, but we get it, right? There's the encampment, the lodging. In Numbers chapter 2, God deals with, with their camp, his people. With their camp, he, he takes a, uh, that place, he deals with that place where, where they're going to rest, right? And their breaking of camp, that is uh, when they're on the move. And God's instructions, God's instructions reached every aspect of their lives. And it is no different for you and I today. So we don't want to read over this. Well, this is just great. The Israelites left Egypt. Now they're wandering around the desert because they disobeyed. And uh, this is really great. God tells them how to camp when they're, how to, how to camp and resting and moving really doesn't mean anything to me. I have a great house on the hill, great car. I don't camp anymore. Yes, it has everything to do with you and me. It's instructions. You see, because God is not the author of confusion. He is the God of order. And this passage is not something to be simply passed over as insignificant like I just mentioned. We just, just won't read over it. It is very significant to us. It is very relevant for us today. It holds, it holds the key to resting and moving. Now get this, it holds the key in our resting and in our moving in the victory that, I, that we have in Jesus. Did you hear me? We have victory in resting and moving at all times with Jesus. You see, we shouldn't walk around with our heads hung low, discouraged and defeated. Born again believers, born again disciples of, of Jesus Christ are not defeated. We live and we walk in victory. Yes, there are a lot of uncertainties in our world. Can I get a big amen right now? There are. And we could, I could sit here and name them all off. I love to talk conspiracy theories and all that. It's kind of fun for me. But we live in victory in Jesus, right? A lot of uncertainties. We have to remember these uncertainties have not, have not, and will not defeat us. God has given us some very explicit instructions concerning what camp we live in. Do you hear me? And that's how this text is significant to us. We have to know this. The message in Numbers is very clear. For the children of Israel... What should have been an 11-day journey, as I said earlier, if you map it out from Egypt to the Promised Land today, 11-day journey, it's no different back then. It's, it was an 11-day journey. Turned into a 40-year nightmare, didn't it? But here's the thing. Far too many of us 
uh, as born-again believers today are taking way too long to reach the promised land of victory in Jesus. We're taking way too long to get there. We are still trying to live in the wrong camp, the old camp of our sin nature. Yes, I know Jesus. Yes, I love Jesus. Yes, Jesus is in my life. Yes, and I, and I love all the aspects of the Bible. I love coming to church. I love the people of God. I love my new friends. But man, I sure like it over here in the world because it's hard for me to give up some of this stuff. So we try to live in two different camps. Some people never leave this camp at all. The Bible says this in 1 Peter, but you, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once, were you, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. That's awesome, isn't it? You see, yes, 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 in this world we shall have tribulations. We shall have troubles. As I said out at family camp this morning, we, Jesus clearly said, in this life you will have what? Peace and safety and harmony. In this life, he's speaking to believers. He's speaking to his disciples. He wasn't speaking to unbelievers when he makes this statement. In this life, you will have trouble. Okay, so if you didn't know that, now you know. As I said out there earlier this morning, I, I've met so many people throughout my years of ministry that, that they've sincerely confess the Lord of their life and, and, and I've talked to I've talked to people I don't know you know Jesus but in this life we have we're going to have trouble okay and as I was saying that so many people have this concept and I have to be honest with you years ago uh, before I became a, a true disciple a true believer of Jesus years ago I used to think that that believers were the most boring people in the world because my concept of what I've seen of them is yeah I know Jesus and I'm like well they have no fun in life why would I want to be a believer life is boring they can't do this that or this look at me we have to understand that as a born-again believer in Christ, you are set free, right? You are set free. So if you have an attitude that, I tried this Jesus thing, but my troubles never went away. Well, you, nobody read to them that in this life, you're still going to have troubles. But walking with Jesus in the same troubles you would have without him is so much better. Can I get an amen to that? I know many of you that are born-again believers that if you didn't have Jesus trying to walk through some of the illnesses you've had, some of the other things that you had, which you would have had without Jesus, right? With him, it's better. Because God does something in you and through you as you walk through it. You come out the other side and God says, now turn around and help that brother or sister come through the same thing I just took you through. And you encourage them and you grow them and they, they come through it and they're stronger in the Lord as well. Because in this life you will have trouble. And what you do with that trouble determines how far you're going to go in your faith. 
God hates me. I'm not going to walk with God anymore. Look what happened in my life. And you turn your back and walk away. Versus, you know what? Something's happening in my life. I don't understand. I'm going to put my eyes on him. I'm going to focus on him. And as I focus on him, he's going to see me through it. I don't know why I'm going through it, but I'm going to trust him. And he's going to use me to help somebody else or grow me in it. That's how we go through those things in your life. Got a little preachy, sorry. We're going to have tough times. But we don't have to live in the wilderness. We don't have to live in the wilderness. God has, has a promised land for us. Aren't you thankful for that? We are his chosen people. And he has a promised land for us. And as you walk with him right now in this life, you're in that promised land. But Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go, I will come back to take you to be where I am. And we have to die to get to that promised land from something. Which I don't fully understand how or why it takes place with, with many of us. But it has to take place for us to move on because this is not our home. I think of that as, I know, just, just buried my little brother a few weeks ago. And I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand, but I, I trust him. And we've all gone through it. We have to trust him. It's part of life. But here's the big question. Is what camp are you living in? What, what camp are, are you living in? And I want us to look at, at the instructions given in Numbers chapter 2. I, I have five short sub-points to this whole thing because in, this, in these few verses that I read to you are some instructions on how we are to live in this camp uh, we're called to live in. And as we go through this, I want to challenge you for you to ask yourself. You don't have to answer out loud. You don't have to tell anybody your answer. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. What camp are you living in? Right now, today, this place in your life, what camp are you living in? This is what, this is what it looks like when you're living in the, in the camp that God's calling us to with these instructions that he gave uh, the Israelites. And it is a camp of victory, by the way. It is a camp of victory. In the camp of victory, number one, we have to do this. We must camp together. Okay. We, we have to camp together. Does that make sense to you guys? We have to camp together. In the instructions that, that he gave here, it said in verse 2, everyone is to camp together. He didn't tell them out in the wilderness and say, you know, take, take his family and their family, you know, take them away from the whole, the whole uh, tribes, everything, and take them miles away so they can camp alone. He didn't say, everybody must camp together. See, God tells them to get organized by their distinct groups, but stay together around the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting was God's presence, holy place at the time. It was in the middle of the camp. You see, they were from different tribes, families, etc., but they were all still from the same camp. Camp together. I think we all understand there's strength in numbers, right? There's strength in unity. There's strength in encouraging one another. Strength in fellowship. And see, God knows that. God knew that then. They needed to be together. 
And I want to tell each and every one of you something this morning. You are important to this tribe called the Bridge Church. Each and every one of you. You are important to the kingdom of God. And it really truly does take all of us working together Working together to grow the kingdom. Working to together to challenge one another in our spiritual journey. To challenge one another to grow closer to Christ. To challenge and encourage one another when times get tr tough like I was mentioning. It takes all of us. It takes all of us to do something bigger than one person to reach a community for Christ. It's not about Pastor Jay. Uh, Pastor Jay, this, uh, this is Pastor Jay's church. No, this is your church. I'm the pastor, but this is our church, and we are called to do something bigger than Pastor Jay, bigger than Don, bigger than Daniel, bigger than all of us to come together to do what? To reach people for the kingdom of God that are going to die and spend eternity in hell. That's why we come together, to reach people. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's the reason we are the church. That's the mission. We are only plan in the Bible. We are God's plan A. There is no plan B. He said what? To go into the world and reach people, to share the good news of the gospel. Amen. It's a high calling. It's a big calling, but we can do it because he's equipped us, right? In the camp of victory, number two, we must camp... We must camp and break camp with our standard. Now that's, that's what it said in verse 2, or yeah, excuse me, verse 2, or verse 17, I can't remember. But the standard or banner was an identification. That's the point. Each tribe had a, a standard identification. Each family had some kind of a marker within the tribe. So every, because just think of the, the few million people around this, you know, little Johnny gets lost. Right? He's out and about. He gets lost. Little Johnny just has to remember what their family camp banner, what it looked like, right? And he could find his way home. It, it was important for them to be organized that they would have this banner and everybody would know where they were supposed to be. And it would just help them find their way home. We have addresses, right? Just put, look at it this way. I know uh, in my family name, last name Spangenberg. We have our own coat of arms from Germany and there's a Spangenberg castle and all those different things. We get it, right? So it was God's plan to have them organized that they would have this banner raised up to identify who they were, where they were at any given time. So what is our banner? Not necessarily the bridge church, our standard, our mark of identification as a born-again believer, born-again disciple of Jesus, is this. Today, this is, who, this is what it is for us. It's called love. They will know we are Christians by our what? By our political views? By what we think about A, B, or C? Is that what they're going to know us by? It's easy to do right now in this world, go on Facebook and they will know you by whatever you want to rant about, right? But how about they go on and they know you by your love? Love, that's our standard, that's our calling, that's what it is. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Our world needs love, doesn't it? You see, that's our standard, that's what should be all about us. 
Love is our standard. In the camp of victory, number three, our banner must be displayed for all to see. So now we have love, right? We know what our banner is. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul. Love our neighbor as ourself. Please hear me this morning. God doesn't need any secret agent born-again believers. Did you hear that? God doesn't need any secret agent born-again believers. Double out Christian, I'm under wraps because I'm a believer and I'm a secret agent. Nobody needs to know that I have the love of the Holy Spirit in me. More than ever, God needs us to shine more than ever in this world. We need to be proud that we are his. We need to display our banner for the world to see. We, be, I mean, we, we belong, think about this, we belong to the family of God. We are his co-heirs to the kingdom. By the way, then in the word of God, if you've read it, in the end, we win. I mean, we've already won. We know how it's going to end. It, it may get ugly for born-again believers it, before it's all over, but turn your eyes to heaven. We win. We need to display that. We belong to the family of God because, because we accept the gift of grace, right? That's why we belong Grace is God's love for us. He came to dwell with us. He died on the cross for us. He, he rose uh, from the grave for us. All for the forgiveness of our sins. He did all that for forgiveness of our sins. That's grace. I'm thankful for his grace. I don't know about you. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. God's banner over us is love. And I pray everyone sees your banner of love. I, I want to stop right here. I want to read. I want to read a scripture to you that really solidifies what I'm saying about this banner of love, how it's in us and through us, and how we should display it. It's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 uh, through 12, and it reads this way. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. Isn't that awesome? His standard is in us. And our standard of his love in us should be high for everyone to see and know that we belong to him. In the camp of victory, if you're in that camp with God, in the camp of victory, number four, everyone must be in their, in their place. Verse 17 said, they will set out in the same order as they encamped. He's talking about when they're on the move. Each in his own place under his standard. You have a place. Everyone has a place. 
That's the only way we will ever accomplish all that God wants to accomplish for his kingdom is if everyone is in his or her place. The Bible talks about how we all have gifts. God has given you a gift that perhaps he hasn't given me. We all have gifts. And when we operate in those gifts, I believe when, when we all operate in our gifts, that we can storm the gates of hell. Because he that is in us is stronger than he is in the world. And if we are all operating in our gifts, we're all doing our part. We find our place to serve. Whatever that looks like in the body of Christ, we are something that has to be reckoned with. And the enemy doesn't like it, does he? I, I can tell you leading up to this camp, I don't know, last week, I don't know how many fiery darts came. It, it, it was just amazing. I was like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? And then Thursday night, we go out there, we're, we're eating pizza at the pizza place, and I get up, I'm walking out, all of a sudden my hand hurts, and something bit me. My hand swelled up like this, it's just now starting to go. That was Thursday night. Friday, a few things happened. Saturday, a few things happened. I just smiled. Because a lot of good things really happened. Just trying to discourage me. How many of you guys ever try, how many of you uh, think that devil's ever trying to discourage you? Right? If he's not trying to discourage you, that means you might want to look and see what camp you're in. Because the Bible's very clear. He's going to try to discourage. He's going to throw the fiery darts, Ephesians said. He wants to throw the fiery darts. But we also know the Bible says, resist him and he will flee from you. Know the word of God. Repeat the word of God. You are his. I, you know, the Beatitudes are a great thing to remember, you know. Uh, whenever some things come at me, I just remember some of those one lines in the Beatitudes. Blessed is the pure in heart, for they will see the kingdom of God. I don't accept that thought. That blessed is the pure in heart, for they will see the kingdom of God. Blessed is the pure in heart. You just start saying those scriptures when those ugly things or whatever come into your head, and he will flee from you. Because the word of God is powerful. So remember that. Remember that. God didn't put his grace, his spirit in you for you to just sit and wait for him to come. He has a plan and a purpose in your life. Are you doing what God wants you to do in his ministry in the kingdom? That's how we have a lot of victory. It really is. That's how we can have a lot of victory in our lives. Get busy for the Lord. Find a place to serve for the Lord. Get that going in your life and sometimes all those other issues just fade away. And then number five, in the camp of victory, we must camp around the tent of meeting. Now the tent of meeting in this context in, in Numbers chapter 2 in the Old Testament way back, the tent of meeting represented the presence and power of God. That was their, their church, okay? It was a tent of meeting. Did they all file in there every Sunday and have a service? Oh no. Oh no, only the priest would go in there and only for certain times because God's glory was in there but it was a tent of meeting. And they all camped around it and they could see God's glory come and go. Can you imagine watching that? They were led uh, by the pillar of fire by night and they had the cloud, the, the pillar of, of smoke by day. They were always seeing God's presence. And they had this tent of meeting. So that was God's presence. And, and we, don't, we don't have that 
today, but we have other things that I think are just as equally as powerful. It says they camped, they were told to camp a little way away from it. They weren't to come near it. They were to show respect and reverence for it. Now, spiritually speaking today, let me ask you a question. Is God the center point? Is God at the center point of your life? In other words, where the camp that you're in, is God the center point of your life in that camp? Do you approach it with reverence and respect? Or is God just some dude you talk to every once in a while? Because God should be the center point of everything we do. If you're a born again believer of Jesus Christ, the priority in your life is pretty simple. God, family, church, and then whatever you file behind that. That's, that's your priority. I know some would argue with me. God first. If, if God's first in your life, your eyes focus on him, you're, you're reading, you're studying, you're praying, and you're growing in the things of Christ, when you get to point two with your family, it's way easier. Am I not right, Mike? If you're right with God and you're focused on God, he's the center of your life, it branches out from there in your relationships to your wife. Men, what does the Bible say you're to, how to treat your wife? You are to love your wife as Christ loved the church in such a way that you would, what? Die for her. Is that putting her needs first or yours first? Always hers. Always hers. And I don't know about you men, but if Christ isn't first, in my life, there's no way I can do that for my wife because I know who I am. You see how that works? I'm not going to pick on you ladies today. But you see how that works? Put him first and then our families, it, it just all goes together. And then, and, then, and then the church, okay, God, family, now I, I want to serve. I want to reach people for the kingdom. So how do I serve in God's church and ministry, whatever that looks like? So God has to be first. With everything we do. And I'm not talking about, you know, doing crazy things that God's first. I'm just saying God's first, you know. Spend time with him. Pray to him. Talk to him. Show reverence. Grow. Allow the Holy Spirit to challenge you to grow. And then hear his voice. Take time. Put him first. So let me ask you a question. Is God the center point of your life? I'm going to make this statement, and I believe it with all my heart. If God is not the center of everything you do, then you're missing out on the full victory that he wants you to have. Did you hear me? If God, if God is not the center of everything you do, then you're missing out on the full victory that he wants you to have in your life. Everything must be centered around God. When we rest, when we're rested in the camp, and when we're on the move, everything we do must be centered around God, putting him first. So as we close this morning,
And we are going to finish early. What do you know? As we close this morning, I want to go back to the question I asked in the very beginning. What camp are you living in? What camp are you living in? You see, I hope as your pastor, if, I, if, if you call this your home and I'm your, your pastor, I hope as your pastor, I hope and pray that it is the camp of victory. No matter what you're going through, it is the camp of victory. God is center. You, your, your banner is, is, your standard is love. Your banner's high. You're, it's all about love. You're going to love others. You know there's trouble, but you're going to stay in the camp of victory because you're going to stay with Jesus. You're going to put Jesus first in everything you do. You have victory because of Jesus. And I hope and pray because of his love for you, your love for him and others that it can be seen throughout your life. None of us are perfect. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. If I stood up here and told you that I didn't even make one mistake already today, I'd be lying. I mean, I fixed my belt in front of you. That was a mistake. That's why we have his grace. We're a blessed people. If you were born again disciple of Jesus, we're a blessed people. We live in the camp of victory. And I hope and pray that each one of you are challenged with that. Camp of victory. And if for some reason you, you may think you're, like I said, it's a question you have to answer yourself. If for some reason you think that maybe you're not in that camp and, and you want to be, I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. And I would challenge you, just open up your, your heart, open up your mind, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, show you, you know, what that looks like. Because He will speak to you. And I'm going to tell you, one of, the, one of the greatest ways that He has spoken to me throughout the world, out, out my uh, over 20-some years now, is through the Word. So many people that say, if, if God, if I, if you would just audibly speak to me, if I could just hear your voice and I'm, I would know this is what you want me to do, just sit quietly. This is a challenge to you. Sit quietly, make your request known, Lord. I, I, I just, I'm not sure. I, 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 can you, can you tell me? Just sit quietly and just wait and see if, for some strange reason, just scripture pops in your head. If it pops in your head, turn to it and read it. And I'll tell you what, God has answered my prayers time and time again. And he's, he's the only one that knew. And I would, I would ask him and the scripture would pop, pop in my head and it would answer my prayer to the T. Right in his words. Why? Because it's living. It's breathing. It's active. And God uses it to speak to us. You may hear a voice. You may not. But he uses the word to speak to you. And if you read it every day, if you, if you grow to read it, he also will speak to you. He'll have a verse just pop in your head that you read and, and it'll just recite in your brain. And you go, oh. I challenge you with that. Father, I'm so thankful for this day. I'm so thankful, Lord, 
that we can camp together, that we can be together as as co-heirs of the kingdom, that you didn't leave us down here to be all alone, God, that we have each other. As iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another. We can fellowship, encourage, lift one another up, God. And Lord, I'm so thankful that we have a standard, Lord, that we can raise up. And it's a standard of love. And it's one that we can show to the world, God. I'm so thankful for that. God, I just pray that you would grow and stretch every one of us this day. Become more like you. We would be everything that you've called us to be. We would find our place to serve, whatever that looks like, to reach people, to love on people. God, we are blessed that you call us yours. May we go from this place believing and knowing that in all our hearts. And Lord, perhaps there's one person here today Lord, that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day that they would would just simply recognize, Lord, that they truly are a sinner. They would admit it, God, that they're a sinner and they just need a, a, a Savior. They need a way back to God. They need a way back to a holy, just God who knows no sin. And, and you're so quick to forgive. And they would just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And that you know that they know that Jesus is there. And then they would just ask you to come into their life. And God, you would just give them an abundant life. They would know. And you would just put them on that faith journey and begin to grow them, to sanctify them, to cause them to be more like you. And I thank you for this time this morning. May you do greater things in each one of us as born-again believers. May you do greater things in this church, in our community. In Jesus' name, amen.